Hello, 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 and welcome to this topical life. Today, we have a very important topic to talk about, and that is meds. And what do I mean by meds? I'm talking about meds that help you with your mental health. And I thought that today I would share my journey in my uh, many years of being on medication for depression and anxiety and have a long history of different mental health illnesses that go through my family and wanted to share just my story as far as what it was like uh, getting a diagnosis, what it was like growing up knowing that there could be a diagnosis and also in my 20s, realizing that I indeed definitely needed medication and have been on and off since then. So um, I know that these times are difficult for everybody. And in the, in, in the time of, yes, we're more aware of mental health than ever before. However, it doesn't take away the fact that a lot of people feel uncomfortable with taking medication or they hear about it in a joking way, like, oh, yeah, just there's a med for that or, you know, who knows. But uh, it is a topic that I don't think a lot of people talk about unless maybe there's there's certain peers and stuff. But I know in my circle of friends that there's definitely been times where there has been a long period or journey for for my friends in deciding whether they want to take a medication or not. And so I'm hoping that if you're listening to this, that whatever I have to say um, might encourage you or maybe give you clarity or who knows. But let me start from the beginning. So my family on my mom's side, now my biological mom has passed away, but she grew up in a house that where her mom was definitely schizophrenic Um, and then, and then, um, my mom had a lot of problems as well, more so when she started having children and really got the worst in her illness when I was born. And so, you know, that's, it's kind of a long web of different things, but generally, I mean, they didn't really properly diagnose my mom, but, my uncle would say, oh, she was definitely schizophrenic. I, she was not. My brother has since then had diagnosed her probably of some sort of bipolar, bipolar one, bipolar two. We don't really know. But she definitely lived more on the manic side, meaning she was what I would like to define as the happiest bipolar person you've ever met. And she was just a very unique bird in the way that she was very manic. I mean, she definitely had the downs, but... um All to say is, is that she never truly had the proper diagnosis. So with me being raised in the idea that I would probably have some sort of mental health problem and my siblings might as well as well. And my dad, you know, he take, it's, it's just, our family is very thick with it. And it's been for all the siblings, a long journey of trying to figure out what our issues are basically. But one thing that they were concerned about with me is that they had this, this psychiatrist long time ago said two things that were just unbelievable, which was because my mom lost herself in a sense, when I was born, I was told 
and, and me being a female being born, that if I had a girl, that I would probably turn out the same way. And that is not what happened, but growing up thinking that there's a chance that I might not be well in a very big way was a very daunting situation to say the least. But one thing that the psychiatrist and psychologist did say was that, that one, one very important factor in raising a, a child in any situation is that is it the environment in which the kid is being brought up in triggering something or is it a genetic response to an actual problem with brain chemistry and all those kind of things? And I mean, I think we could all probably say that if you're raised in a horrible environment and then you have this history, then you're basically compounding a, a, a big factor into what could turn into a mental illness. But long story short, I think in the end, I was spared what my mom went through and partly because I was not raised by a schizophrenic mother. And she, uh, like my mom was raised by a schizophrenic mother. And so anyway, I did, obviously, if you know me, I have three kids and I did have two boys and the middle being a girl and none of that ever came to fruition. In fact, when I got married, my husband was like, there's no way that is going to be you. And I think that that's what I needed to hear. Just somebody on the outside of my family, just who knew me and cared about me to say that because a lot of people do live in fear. Like if their parents have mental illness or it runs in their family or who knows what, you know? And so, especially in those times when I was younger, when people didn't talk about mental illness, you know, and I was very confused, you know? So fast forward. Yes. I would say that there was some definite issues growing up with anxiety that I had. I did talk a lot about having a bad feeling. Um, I did not like going to see my biological mom a ton at first because I felt torn between two families and uh, I wanted, it was just, a. I, I knew I had anxiety. That was what I was told. But as I got older, uh, just kind of, I guess you could say muscle through it. I mean, I think as a teenager, you get distracted with friends and all this kind of stuff. And I had a lot of things going on and it wasn't, you know, my, I wasn't really, uh, struggling as much then, except it more so when in your, when I became like in my twenties. And I think that that is a common thing that a psychiatrist or psychologist or whatever counselor would say is that it's usually when mental health things really arise. Like if there's really, really, really a problem, like say bipolar or something like that, it does tend to happen in your twenties, late twenties. I don't know, but, um, don't quote me on that. I'm just saying that's what I've heard over the years. So what really ended up happening was I had Joey, I was 20, Four. And when he was about, when I was 25, I all of a sudden, literally, um, one day just couldn't get off the couch. And my depression definitely set itself in the more of the anxiety fashion at that time where I was like, I could, I felt overwhelmed by the fact of getting off the couch. And I was like, always really busy, always doing things. And then all of a sudden it was like, I couldn't. 
And it was freaky. And so I didn't want to go to what the advice was, which was my parents were like, well, you probably need medication or you probably have anxiety. You need to go see checked up, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. And so I went to a naturopath. And at the time I was breastfeeding. Um, I was breastfeeding and the naturopath was like, you know, when you're breastfeeding, the, the baby's really taking all the things. And so I think you should start taking some fish oil and some vitamin B. And I was getting these injections and all this kind of stuff. And it did help. It definitely did help. And I worked out a lot. I was really obsessed with that. And I just maintained this status quo of maintaining this anxiety. And so that tended to work for a while and then it came back and I went to, uh, I was talking to my brother who's had a lot of experience with med- with meds and is also diagnosed, I think, bipolar too. He's mentioned it on the podcast, Kev. But uh, he had a long history, probably most of out of everyone in the family with trying different drugs and what that was like. And um, I didn't want to hear it from my parents what I needed to do do or be I was not even open to it really because because truthfully I had some resentment probably buried in there which I know I did and also just confusion you know like is this a label or is this what I am you know and and, and in your 20s too you're really trying to figure yourself out in a different way and as an adult and then you're compounding it with becoming more and more and more adult and then you have kids and blah 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 so talking to my brother he was like I think you should go see a counselor and then go from there. And I think what I did was I did go to a counselor like once and then I was like so desperate. I went to a doctor and the doctor um, at this point, I was just like, at this point when someone's really depressed or has anxiety, it's really hard to even go to the doctor because it's like, you're just kind of, struggling as it is. So then to add to the fact that you're going to try a new medication and you're going to see what people are having to say, you're going to take these tests that take, you know, they're supposed to describe who you are in like 10 questions. I mean, it was just, it almost felt overwhelming just even with that. But I did start taking, I tried one, it was Paxil and it was hell. And I remember calling my brother and being like, what is going on? Like, I can't sleep. I mean, I am already deprived of sleep and now I really can't sleep. I mean, I was like wired and he was like, okay, that's just not the right meds for you. And yes, my doctor was kind of checking in a little bit, but it was like, it was just kind of a fog at that point because I was like, am I doing the right thing? I just didn't realize, I didn't really know what was going on. I just needed something to work. And, um, I was also worried about being on medication breastfeeding. And so I really wasn't until I was done breastfeeding that I really went for the meds. And I, yeah, yeah. So I then started taking Lexapro and it definitely worked. I started to feel within two weeks just more um, able to sort things out. Like the, the edge was off, I guess you could say. And it wasn't like an edge like you have a glass of wine and the edge is off. It was not like that. It's like over time I started to feel good. Like, like the cloud went away a little bit or just, I could think clearer, I guess you could say. And in that time in my life, um, you know, 
it, that helped it, it, that, that drug definitely helped. And so I never at the, you know, get, being on the drug, I, I thought that eventually I would just get off the drug. And of course you would never just like all of a sudden stop taking it. But when I was taking medication, I didn't, wasn't taking it thinking that this was going to be forever. I was looking at it as kind of like, let's just see what this is like and see how I feel after. And I was so desperate that I kind of went with it and it paid off except that when I got pregnant with Ruthie, which was like two and a half years later, um, I was in a real health journey, I guess you could say, really becoming obsessed with my health, like almost kind of borderline eating disorder because it was like I was overanalyzing everything and then it was just kind of perpetuating into this cycle of like obsession. And then that kind of translated into anxiety about the drug taking again because I was like hated the fact that my body was taking drugs and the, the possible side effects, which I wasn't even feeling at the time. Um, having to interfere with my body chemistry or what it was doing. I just had this like fear, um, which pff, someone, I'm looking back now that I'm saying it out of my mouth, I'm like, well, maybe that was anxiety too. But no, it wasn't. It was just, it was something different. Um, anyway, so I got off of the drug and I got pregnant with Ruthie and it was absolutely the worst pregnancy of all time. I was so depressed. I was like, I gained so much weight. Um, I didn't know I was having a girl at the time. Actually, we didn't know she was a girl until after, but I don't really know if that, I mean, that doesn't really, it was a very, actually, now that I had Tobin after Ruthie, my boy pregnancies were very similar. And then Ruthie's pregnancy was just like, whoa, like different hormones, different things, different something, something. But I was just like a total different type of pregnant person. But I, I don't think necessarily that being off medication was probably what I needed. And looking back, I know that now. But at the time, I was definitely against being on medication, especially, especially then breastfeeding as well after she was born. So fast forward after that, Ruthie comes along. I'm not, I'm still not taking any medication and I am relying on just some health things, uh, exercise, trying to eat healthy. But obviously I was really overwhelmed with two little kids, which was fine up until about 2010 when the market crashed and everything went to crap. And we lost our house. My mom, my mom, my biological mom passed away all at the same time. And so we ended up having to move out of our house and we lived with friends. And during that time, I became really depressed. And so now it was like, not only was I struggling with anxiety, I was super depressed. We lost our house. Like we basically had to start over. Brian was figuring out a different career. And then I had these two little kids living with friends and my youngest was going to, or my Joey was going to start kindergarten. I didn't want him to start kindergarten. I was fighting the school on that because of other reasons. And so it was just a struggle. It was a total struggle struggle. And I was like shocked, but I did have this counselor who was like a godsend to me and still is. I still think about her Ann Martin, if you ever listen to this, but 
she um, was a counselor through our church that I, I used to work at a church and she, I knew she was a therapist. Anyway, I went to her, she's seen me with meds, without meds and has recommended meds throughout the years. So she saw me when I was with Joey was with Ruthie. And then even after I had Tobin, I think I popped in there even after living in Portland, I went back to Redmond where she was just to get some advice. Long story short, uh, after going through being during that trauma, essentially, I was seeing Anne, and at this point I wasn't on any medication. And she was just like, you know, Tiffany, I'm going to be honest with you. She's like, we've talked a couple times. I've seen you through a couple of years and you, this is not a situational depression. You have major depression disorder. And I think it's exasperated by situations, but I think you can get it down to maybe a mild, but right now it is absolutely like a true diagnosis. This isn't just like, uh, six months of taking medication or even two years taking medication and then you're done because you've been out of this trauma, you know. Um, I had had some EMDR as well in there, which if you're not familiar with that practice, it's it also helps with uh, basically people that have PTSD. They use it, uh, use that as trying to help people with that. And it also helps people with anxiety. And so I had done that as well in some therapy, but all to say, you know, she was telling me that I at this point in my life, and I was 30 now at this time, that Tiffany has depression and she's going to have it probably forever. And it's really, really bad right now because you're in a really, really traumatic spot. But I really recommend meds. And that's where she was at. And so the amazing thing about Anne, and she's a licensed clinical social worker, LCSW, and that's a very common therapist type. I don't know. uh, It's the label of which counselors have in the state of Oregon. But she's like a counselor, she's a therapist, she's all those things. But she actually knew a lot about SSRIs and how the brain is basically depleted of three things, epinephrine, dopamine, serotonin. And it's a combination of those three. It's a combination of one, it's just one, it's just both, it's the da 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 But every SSRI kind of uh, has more of, more of a fix in other ways. Like, for instance, Prozac is higher in serotonin. Um, well, butrin, that's a drug I take and it's higher in, I think it's epinephrine or something like that. But anyway, um, the hard part is about brain chemistry is that you don't know the levels in which your brain is low or is high. And so that's the tricky part with meds is that that's why trying a different med is, can be challenging. Um, but Anne was like, Tiffany, I really recommend that you do it. And, but she was so patient because I was not ready. And I just kept thinking that I could muscle through it. You know, um, I was also heavily into like CrossFit and stuff like that. So, (laughs) so like in that time, it's like, you're mentally strong, you know, like you're mentally trying to, um, break barriers all the time when you're doing those kind of workouts, you know, and that was where my head was at. Like that was my coping for getting through this trauma. And, uh, and it was, you know, and so I just thought I can muscle through this. I don't have to have this. And then the spiritual component and the spiritual component, I want to talk a little bit later because I want to go in more depth about it, but I had went to a pastor and got some advice and it was not great advice. 
And I think that uh, that's an area I want to touch on in a little bit. So I did end up getting on another drug and I tried Lexapro again and it had a completely different, I had a completely different reaction. It was not working. I don't remember what the side effect was, but it wasn't working. And I knew pretty quick. Um, I think a lot of doctors say give it six weeks or whatever, but for me, I knew that something was not right in like two weeks, you know? Um, and if a woman, you know, listening right now, say you're, you've taken birth control. Um, I, you know, took birth control when I was first married and every doctor since then wanted me to take birth control after having kids because, because that's what they recommend. But I, birth control literally makes me crazy. So we had our own methods and we ended up with three kids. So there you go. But the, um, I, you know, so that's just another example of meds just, oh, it just sometimes it just, I just had these negative effects, you know? So I did get on Zoloft and Zoloft seemed to do the trick for a while. I was on that for like a couple of years. And at this point I was moving from Redmond. Brian had gotten a job in Portland, Oregon. And although I was super not happy about it, we got all our stuff, got the kids out. Brian had a job and we moved to Portland and I was again depressed, but not as bad as I would say when I was depressed with Ruthie or like in those young, in those like 28, you know, I wasn't as depressed as I was when I was going through that trauma. So, um, so yeah, Zoloft and during taking Zoloft, it was crazy because I was like a year in to taking this drug and I would get in the sun and all of a sudden, like I would get these, like, like a rash, like a really thing, like a big rash. And the doctors were like, well, no, that's not being caused by Zoloft. That's just stress and blah, blah, blah. And then down the road, even from that, like about a year after that, the rashes would come and go, but the, the drug was working. So to me, it was worth having that issue than not taking it. So I was like, well, I'm definitely not going to switch because I can live with this. Well, it wasn't until, um, it was like, it was, I don't remember the exact year, but I remember visiting my family in Texas and, um, I started having this like terrible acid reflux. Okay. And every, the doctors were like, it's not your Zoloft, you know, and I could not think of anything. I mean, I stopped drink, you know, I did all the things that would cause acid reflux, but I stopped doing what could cause that. And then, and then it would still come. And then it got worse, like to the point where I was in Texas with two little kids by myself and crawling on the emergency room floor um, at an ER because I couldn't walk because the acid reflux was so bad. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that before, but it's absolutely hell in your body, like legit hell, like hot, like hot, like can't swallow. Like it was the weirdest thing. And I just remember like crawling. (laughs) I was literally crawling and, um, and I get to the bed and they give me this tonic and it just like completely just, I just, it was like amazing. And I was able to like regress myself. And they were, again, they were saying, well, it's not your Zoloft. And I, in my head, I was like, hell yeah, it is the Zoloft. 
It freaking is the Zoloft. And I don't care what you tell me. That's what it is. So when I got back from Texas, I went to the doctor and I was like, you know what? Zoloft just needs to go. Like, I need to try a different drug. I don't take any other things. I have stopped. You're going to tell me whatever. But, you know, doctors, if it hasn't been tested or if it hasn't been you know, proven wrong, then it's not a possibility. And that's the frustrating thing. If it hasn't been proven wrong, then it's not a possibility. Um, you know, and they just were convinced that it was not Zoloft, but let me tell you, it was because I got off and I went on Prozac and I went on Prozac before I got pregnant with Tobin. And the reason why I um, went on Prozac because I was like, you know what? I just actually chose that drug myself because I was like, you know what? Since, since, you know, Zoloft hasn't been, you know, enough to, no one knows enough about it to say that acid reflux isn't caused by that medication. I'm like, I want to choose a medication that I know has been tested and has been around forever to the point where you can even be pregnant on it and it'd be okay. And that was Prozac. And so, I went to the doctor. I was just like, okay, I want to take Prozac. And, uh, we switched to that and that was a smooth transition. Um, and then I got pregnant with Tobin. And at that time I was like, I am not going to stop taking medication. And that was a big decision for me because now I have a baby and I am still taking medication. And now I'm on a medication that has proven to be right that can be okay having a baby so I was advised that um that the mom absolutely needs to be mentally well and the baby is going to be fine you know if the mom is mentally and healthily well then the baby is going to be fine and I don't really remember who gave me that advice but I felt at peace about that and so here Tobin came along and I'm just going to be honest with you he um I remember pushing him out basically. <laughs> and then the, uh, nurse, uh, you know, handed him to me and I was holding him and it wasn't like, I don't know, an hour or two later, I started to notice that he was shaking a little bit. Uh, I just, I was like, I just like had to, the human side of me had to have a resolve for that, seeing that. And it was so kind because this nurse who saw my reaction to how he was shaking and she looked at me and she held my hand. She's like, he is fine. He does not feel this whatsoever. It will go away within 24 hours. He's going to be fine. He does not feel this at all. And what a kind woman um, to say that to me because I was speechless because he was just shaky a little bit and I didn't know what was going on. And, um, it was withdrawal is what it was. And, um, I felt terrible. I mean, you feel terrible, but I, you know, and Brian didn't know what was going on or anything like that. It was just something that I had to come to in myself. Like I know I was doing right by my family and it sucked to see Tobin, in my orange baby is what he turned out to be because then he got, uh, he, we call him our carrot baby cause he basically looked orange when he was born. And then that, and then he like, it, he was just, he was kind of a little hot mess that one, but 
he ended up having to go under the lights and um, it wasn't like the normal yellow skin looking. He was just, he truly looked like a carrot. Um, but anyway, um, but by golly, that kid was getting breastfeed. I mean, that was a whole other thing too, because I was big in breastfeeding and he wouldn't do it. And it was just another traumatic thing, but damn, I'm so glad I was on medication for that because it ended up being me literally pumping for like on and off the clock for like four or five months. It was like five months, maybe even, I, you know what? It was five months pumping. And then I had one month of milk stored after that. So I was like, he had six months of milk and that is about as all I could provide with on and off the clock without him breastfeeding because he would have nothing to do with it. So it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. And then he became two and then having three little kids and Brian working like 60 plus weeks. Then I was in another um, situational depression, anxiety, like completely overwhelmed. And uh, what, how it reared its ugly head was basically one day, um, now I'm still at this point taking medication, but it got worse. My, my anxiety got worse. My situation got worse, but, uh, I woke up, we were supposed to go to the beach one day and I was like trying to do my things to get myself to have energy. Like, I have coffee and then that wasn't working. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe I'll relax if I have some wine. And this is like, I don't know, 11 in the morning or something like that. Like I was trying all these things to try to like get myself motivated to get out the door, pack the kids and Brian and I and take the kids to the beach. And I couldn't do it. And I was like crying and I was in the bed and I was like, Brian, I just, I can't get out of bed. Like I can't do this. Like I've tried everything and I'm not, it's, I'm not going, like I can't go. And this was going to be our weekend. And, um, the, and then, uh, and Brian was like, well, you know what, you just stay here and I'll take the kids. And then that didn't kind of sit right. But I was like, I hadn't no, like I couldn't do it, you know? And then it wasn't until Joey came in and looked at me. He's like, mom, like Brian was saying to Joey, okay, mom's going to stay here and we're just going to go to the beach and stay, you know, at a hotel and all that stuff. And Joey's expression was just like, what? No, like he couldn't, I, I, I don't know. It was just something. And so I was like, you know what? I have not packed the kids whatsoever. I am going to, I go, Brian, I'm going to wear what I am wearing right now. And I'm going to walk to the car and whatever we end up with at the beach is what we end up with. But I am not thinking past that. I am literally walking out of this bed to the car and that is it. And that is exactly what I did. And then we got to the beach. Somehow all the shit got packed. I don't even know how we even did it because I was the person that did all of those things all of the time. And you know, let that go and started running on the beach with Joey. And then I snapped out of it. It was like a full blown panic attack is what it was. Didn't realize it at the time, but, um, I also felt pretty nauseous. And so I went back to the therapist that I love and adore and told her my situation and just where we were at. And she was just like, Oh my God, like, yeah. Um, I think I had, I started seeing a, uh, when you get acupuncture, I was seeing an acupuncturist and went to that therapist and try to reevaluate my med situation. And she was like, you know what? I think you should start taking less Prozac and add in Wellbutrin. 
And that is literally what I've been on ever since. The serotonin in Prozac was making me too tired. And she knew that. And so just from talking with her, I mean, she was like, she, that, that was her, that was her thoughts. And then the, um, the acupuncturist was like, literally said to me, she was like, okay, how many kids do you have? She, I was like three. And she was like, okay, I'm going to be honest with you. You never recovered after the second one. And if you were like in a Chinese country right now or some foreign country, you would be on bed rest for six months drinking chicken broth. That is how off you are right now. And I was like, what? And that is like exactly the validation I needed at the time because I was out of my freaking mind. And uh, Tobin had, you know, his his uh, personality and the way he was a little bit more challenging than my other two in the ways of just like energy and like escaping and, you know, climbing out of the crib, having to lock the door. Like he was just that kid. And, uh, but I, like, I just was out of my mind. <laughs> like, I don't know what to say. So, and then, you know, as Tobin got older and the kids got a little older and we settled into a routine. Now Brian's still working his ass off, but somehow we've kind of like, we've gone through all the shifts and all these kind of things and have been to counseling here and there, marriage counseling here and there. But overall, I would say that my, my med path is, is this, and that is I'm going to be on meds. And right now, and I'm not planning on changing is that I'm partly on Wellbutrin and I'm partly on Prozac. And that has been the best combo for me. Um, so yeah, that's that. Now I want to talk about the spiritual part of it because in all of this journey with taking meds, I would say a huge part of it was a spiritual journey because it was like, why God, why can I not with your power and what you say you are, why can I not overcome this? Like, why is it that, you know, the verse in the Bible that where did I, did I write it down? You know what every pastor kind of tends to say, which is like, um, you know, Philippians something, something, it's like, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving, let your requests be known by God, that whole thing. And yeah, that sounds really great, but you know, praying and, and, and that kind of thing was not, was helping, but it was not what I needed. It wasn't the med, I needed a medication and just like a diabetic needs insulin, you know, um, is a diabetic not close to God? No, it's, my body physically needed it. And not only did it need it, but I had the genetic background for, for sure to have that in a situation where, and through the years, which had made it kind of ebb and flow as well. And so, so, you know, I went to a pastor once and he, he had said that I would just wasn't trying enough and that I wasn't praying enough and that I wasn't surrendering my anxiety enough. And that's about the worst advice you could ever give somebody, um, whether you're a pastor or not, or whether you're spiritual or not. Um, someone, if you don't know what it feels like to struggle with it, don't pretend like you know the answer because that's, it's such a personal experience. And when you're trying to figure out if this is for you or not, you're questioning yourself and everything you think and do all the time because you're thinking to yourself, well, if I get on medication, will I be the same person? Will I, you know, will I still be spiritual? I mean, who knows what the thoughts come into your head, but for some people and it, for me, 
like it took a long time to wrap my brain around the fact that I definitely needed meds. And now there's so much more awareness about mental health and how important it is to, uh, to, you know, look into that component of needing meds. And now people joke around about it. But the truth is, is that, you know, it's, it's something that your brain and your body might need. And, and by the grace of God, really, I, my situation could have been a hell of a lot worse because there's a lot of things I'm not telling you right now um, in my past that could have made my, a, a mental illness that I could have had very wor- much, much, much worse. And the therapist being like, you know, Tiff, you, you really just got the tip of the iceberg. You know, I mean, you like filleted the top and that's all you got. And that's a miracle. It really is a miracle given, given a lot of circumstances and those kind of things. And so I've kind of held on to that, but to tell you the truth, I mean, there's been times where I've cried out and been like, God, why, why will I be on medication forever? Will I be healed? And I never really audibly heard, no, you're not going to be healed, but I've had this strong, strong sense. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, uh, in the way that I feel the Holy Spirit say, I'm going that, that it was not, I'm not going to be healed of it, that it would be something that is being, that is used for good. And, and that is, you know, that I think, and once I came to that that knowledge, I guess you could say, I felt this immense sense of freedom and I have never really had heartache about it since, which was so weird. It was like, it was almost kind of like I needed to accept it, accept the fact before it became more of a freedom response. And I think it was like, I needed to know that, like, I don't know, it was weird, but I haven't really struggled with the fact that I'm going to be on medication probably. F- I, mean, I know I will be for the rest of my life. And now I'm just old enough to know that, God, why would I want to take that back? Why would I want to not be on medication? But that's, that's, that's not where everybody's at, you know? And, and I don't want to speak that on into anybody's life. This is just my experience. And that's what I'm telling you. So now um, I'm looking at my notes here, making sure I'm covering what I wrote down, but um, okay. And, and, you know, in the spiritual thing too, um, like about it, I was going on a hike with Rachel and, um, we were laughing because I was like, what the hell, like, what is on your windshield right now? And she had a crack in her windshield and there was a bandaid. She put a bandaid on the crack. And I was like, wow, Rachel, that's like brilliant. Like, you know, like, because if you don't put something where the crack is, it's going to continue, you know, and she had it happen to have a bandaid and I thought it was hilarious. And I will post the picture too. I'll post the picture to this podcast, you know, on Instagram and Facebook of what that picture was. Cause I think it's so funny, but, but it really, I thought about it later and I was just like, God, it just like seems so spiritual, you know, like if you think about it, it's like, we're all broken, you know, and whether you're taking meds or or you're taking insulin, or whatever you're doing to healthfully get through this life, it's a, it is a band-aid, you know what I mean, in a sense, because this is not who we're whole, we're not whole yet, you know, like we're broken, and we're not completely fixed, 
and we're sinful. You know, we're forgiven, but we're still struggling, you know, weak human beings, you know? So if, if, if me taking meds is a band-aid to get me to the very end, well then gosh darn it, that's what I'm going to do. And so, you know, it's, that's how I saw it. You know, looking at that band-aid on the windshield, I was like, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like a poetic imagery, if you will. So anyway, that's the spiritual side of it for me. And, uh, I, I, challenge you to let yourself figure out why it is you don't want to be on medication, what it is stopping you from it, and what is, uh, what are the blocks, you know, what is your family history? What, what are your circumstances? Because this is the, this is the thing. Now I'm going to start talking about, some of my experiences with doctors, but also what I have asked my friends to share with me, what they would want people to know before they start taking medication and the things that hindered them from taking medication because uh, for whatever reason. And most of them said that they wish they would have taken it sooner, but we all know, we all say that in hindsight because we start to feel better, right? But when you're in it and you're wondering if this is right for you, it is it's not always black and white, you know, you might be desperate enough to take it, but, uh, some of us are just not, and, you know, wondering if this is right for us or not, you know, so have grace for yourself, you know, and, and surround yourself with people that are on, you know, that do, that you trust that do take medication and just hear their side of it. But when you're going to a doctor, Versus even talking to a counselor, it's, it's not, it can be kind of, I've had different doctors for sure, but it can be kind of a, a not comforting experience because sometimes I think you might going, it might want to go in for affirmation and validation and what you're thinking and feeling and what they're doing is trying to get you healthy. So, and then they hand you these tests that I feel like, you know, you fill out in like a minute, five minutes, you know, and I don't really feel like it portrays my full mental issues, you know what I mean? And so it's like, how are you judging me based on that, this 10 minute, not even 10 minute test, whether I am depressed or not, you know? Um, so any counselor would say, if you're going to get on meds, it, it is important to have be seen by a therapist as well as being seen by a doctor. But if you can only be seen by a doctor and you aren't seeing a counselor, then these are the kind of conversations you need to have with people because doctors are black and white, you know. Um, I remember, you know, I was like... I was first on medication and the first thing the guy says, like after revisiting was like, okay, well, well, how's your, how's your libido? Are you sexually active or blah, blah, blah? Like, are you feeling like you're, you know, okay with that area? And I was like, what? Like, I was so confused. I was like, why is he asking me that? That's like the first thing. Like, like what if I was good, but what if I wasn't, what if my, what if I was in a hard spot in my marriage and I just wasn't having sex because I didn't want to have sex. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, it just felt kind of personal, you know what I mean? And so, but what he was really saying was just like, it's important that you're having sex. Is that, is that affecting that? And I'm like, okay, you know, looking back, that was, I think a little bit weird question, to be honest, like to go the first thing out of his mouth. But I was like, 
didn't really expand on it. I was like, I'm fine, you know, um, and kind of went in different areas, but I just, y- you know, it was just kind of weird. And that was when I was taking the Lexapro and that was a concern, um, for him, for that specific doctor. And then there were things like, you know, um, what were some, Oh, suicidal thoughts. Like, so this is the other thing too. So I did get on medication and a good doctor will call you in like a week or two. A good doctor will, you call them and they'll call you right back. A good doctor is checking in on you because, because how crazy is it that there is a chance you could have suicidal thoughts when you're already depressed and all of these things. And the truth of the matter is it does happen. And to be honest, I mean, sometimes it happens to kids and I wanted to bring this up because there, you know, how I, if you've listened to my podcast and about suicide, it's like kids then hide, they take these meds and they're even being seen by a counselor, but maybe they don't realize they're having suicidal thoughts and then they get freaked out and they have all this shame and then boom, they're, they, God knows what. So, you know, kids on medication is a whole other podcast, but you know, having suicidal thoughts, that is what you think a doctor would ask first, right? I mean, whatever. But again, if you're going into the arena of doctors to feel uh, validated and comforted with how you feel, there might be a little bit of that, but not much. I would say even going in OB would be better if you're a woman. Um to talk about stuff like that because then they're kind of more relating to women's stuff. And then it just kind of, kind of all intertwines, but moving on from that, what would people, what were people saying that they wish they had known before taking meds and they wish they had started taking it sooner and not waited till they were laying around all day and it making it harder to even make an appointment to go even go see somebody to even get on a med if they were going to get on a med. Like it was like this huge, huge, huge daunting process. Um, you know, and I think anyone has thought that has started medication is that do you feel like you're not going to be in control of yourself? It's scary because it's not just, we're talking about your brain, you know, and somebody, you know, ADD is an interesting one because because the aftermath of taking ADD medication and the results are so dra- so like drastic that you see a difference almost right away. Whereas like an SSRI, it can take, you know, a few five weeks to, for it to really, really settle in. And so you hear, when you hear people talk about how they feel about their medication after being diagnosed with ADD and then being on medication, it's amazing to hear what people say. And one person, I don't remember who it was I was talking to, said that when they started taking ADD medication, that all of a sudden they felt like this major sense of clarity, like all, like all the noise was away and they could think clearer. And I mean, that's amazing. You know, um, no one wants to feel no feelings. No one wants to feel like they're numb. And so these are the kind of questions that you ask yourself when you're taking a medication. But as far as like side effects, you know, no sleeping, like you can't sleep or you're low appetite or you have a heavy appetite. You know, a lot of people worry about gaining weight. And these days with the SSRIs, gaining weight is not necessarily a huge 
issue from at least my experience from talking with women and myself is that there really isn't a major uh, weight gain issue these days, I think, when you're on an SSRI. Um, but that I, obviously that doesn't apply to everybody, but um, they if you're if you're scoping it out on Google, you know, and reading everybody's testimony, which I don't know if I I mean, that's what I do. And so that's probably, you know, it just depends on what kind of person you are. But, um, you know, you hear different things, you know, um, someone might exaggerate and say, Oh, I gained weight. It was like only three pounds. Like, okay, well, you know, whatever. But, um, hormones can play a role too. So another advice is that what one drug works now might not work later. And that's exactly what happened to me. So I, before, uh, when I was after Joey started Lexapro, then tried it after Ruthie didn't work. It was different side effect did not work. And, uh, then the Zoloft and then the Prozac and the Wellbutrin. So I'm always like, that's why they say have a med check. I think it's whether a psychiatrist or a psychologist would recommend a med check. Um, a doctor is just going to say, check in with your depression and have you retake a test in your physical to see where you're at, um, with depression and all that and anxiety. So it depends on which avenue you want to go. And where you are at mentally, as far as like, even in your life, like what if you are in a traumatic situation right now, and you need to go in a little bit more depth and evaluate really what's going on, then you're going to want to see someone else, not just a regular doctor, you know? Um, The biggest thing too, uh, let's see. Um, Once you're on a medication, this is a big one. Once you're on a medication, and it's working. Do not get off the medication. And at least for a long, significant amount of time, if it's working. And that is coming from somebody who uh, went on and off medication because when they were well, then all of a sudden, why do I need the medication? I'm better now. And then you want to get off. And then you realize, oh, wait, I'm not well. And then you get back on. And then you get back. So... Now I think what I was advised was is that you should probably wait at least a year to even get off the medication if it's working. Um, That would tell you a lot in if it's a situational kind of thing or a a lifetime kind of thing. And really seeing a counselor is key for that because they have listened to you. They know they can figure that stuff out. And it's amazing. Um, and that's been my experience, but, uh, if you're, especially when you're, when you're on bipolar medication, because that medication, um, I think because of the manics, you know, going high and going low, going high and going low. I mean, you're feeling so good. Just, I'm, you know, that's a, for, for bipolar individuals, I think that that is a struggle at first that they just want to just get off the meds, but all in all, you know, if it's working, stay on it, you know? Um, another one, this is coming from my own experience, is that now that my kids are older, I used to carry, I didn't realize it, but I used to carry a lot of shame with 
uh, taking meds. Like I didn't want to tell my kids that I was taking any kind of anxiety meds because I felt like if I told them that, that it would make them feel like they had anxiety or that they might feel like they um, might have some issues, you know, and that runs in our family and genetics and all this kind of stuff. And it wasn't like, and then all of a sudden it's, you know, I'm, they see it. I mean, it's like by my toothbrush basically, you know? And so I have through the years in their middle school years, even kind of late, even in fifth grade, you know, it's like the sex talk. You kind of introduce, yeah, I I take this medication. It makes my brain healthier, you know, that kind of thing. Then you layer it with, well, you know, this is what happened. This is what I struggle with. And then, you know, you want to say, well, you're going through a hard time. And, you know, you just, you layer it as you do with so many things with trying to explain what is going on with, with myself and why mom needs medication. And it's not a happy pill. It's not any of that stuff. And that shouldn't be joking around like that. Um, and then it's not something you take and all of a sudden you feel better. It's something that your body needs over time to get the, the chemical or the balance that it needs to function, you know? And so I think especially these days when kids are more aware of mental health and they're struggling and all those kind of things. I'm even more open to talking about it because not that I'm trying to push meds or anything like that. That is actually the last thing I want to do with my kids. But, um, it's that, that, that I don't want them to feel shame if they end up having to do it, you know, down the road. I think hormonally, I would rather them wait till later just because they're developing so much and their brains are developing so much, just like, you know, but if there was a severe problem, hell yeah, I put them on meds, but I'd be on their butts every second of the day, making sure they're, you know, healthy and getting checked out. You know, it's just that that's a whole different experience I haven't had to cross yet. But if I did, then I would talk about it. But what I'm saying is, is that talking to the kids, my kids, just about my own personal struggle and my own journey with it. And what kind of spiritual journey it has been for me and that um, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we have drugs to help with this because my mom didn't and she had a pretty miserable life and she couldn't raise her kids and um, suffered and I, and now she's not, but you know, this is a, this is a gift in a lot of ways, you know, um, to be able to have meds to feel good and it's not perfect and there are side effects that I live with and also you're still broken it doesn't fix everything like the band-aid in the window uh it doesn't fix everything it it just it doesn't fix your whole life you know it makes you so that you're functionable you know um anyway so yeah I'm open with the kids about it um and talking about it without fear. You know, I grew up with a lot of fear feeling like that was what my outcome was going to be, you know, and I don't want them if they end up having to take meds, that is the last thing I would want them to feel is, is scared or that, you know, unsafe and all those things. So anyway, that pretty much wraps up everything I was going to talk about. Um, please feel free to reach out message, uh, to ask any questions, or maybe I can help send you to somebody that might be able to answer your questions that you have, but definitely be open to the people around you 
that you feel comfortable with talking about it because I don't really feel like there's a lot of conversation about it. There's a lot of talking about being on meds, but the process in which you get on meds is it can be very long and very personal and very uh, scary, you know? Um, and then say you're the spouse or boyfriend or significant other or parent that is on the other side watching the person you love having to deal with being on meds and that transition and all those kind of things that that can be scary too. And that's been my husband, really. Um, he's seen me, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I've never gone completely way off, but he's kind of, he's okay with, you know, he's pretty goes with the flow, you know, so it takes a lot to shock him. But <laughs> like, I think that time when I couldn't get out of bed, <clears throat> I think he was like legit worried, but, but, you know, I think he, he, I think the biggest thing that has helped me is him realizing that this isn't something he can fix, that this is something that I just have to deal with. And so I am very communicative about my needs as far as like, Hey, you know, I just need some space to, to just chill or I need to take a nap or I need to have like eight hours to myself. Um, and I'm an extroverted person. I love being around people, but the thing is, is that, you know, um, that anxiety and working through that and working through what's actually happening versus what's not happening because I still get depressed. You know, um, I still have depressive moments or, I might be going through something hard, but having grace for your spouse in those times and um, being very open and communicative about it and trying not to fix it is probably the best thing. Because the truth is, is if you haven't experienced it, you don't know what it's like. And honestly, honestly, some of the most validating things I have ever heard from people really come down to the fact that when they have never been depressed and they were depressed for like a week and they were like, Oh my God, I was depressed for like a week. I don't know how you do that. Like I didn't know what to do. Like one friend went from vacation and came back and was like, kind of, you know, like when you come back from vacation and you're kind of like coming off the high of that or whatever. And she was like, I just can't snap out of it, Tiffany. I just like, I'm just really depressed. And all I want to do is just lay in bed. And like, it takes everything out of me just to go take a shower. And I'm like, dude, you're speaking my language, <laughs> you know? And sometimes there's still days like that, you know, um, life is hard and you know, it's, it is, it's hard. And so pretending like, you know, the answer when you don't just don't. And if, and the people that have never experienced it and don't know what it's like, just say that, don't try to fix it. Um, and the people that are in it will come out of it with that. They will, they, no one wants to stay in the position of being depressed, you know, um, love and acceptance and grace is where it's at. And, um, I hope that this encourages you and that, you know, especially in these times where it doesn't seem like life is getting any easier, especially with the traumatic things that are happening all over the world and especially in America, um, well, not just, especially in America, there's a lot of things going on, but in recent events and things like that, it can, you can really just get knocked down. And 
this is just in a conversation that we just needed to have. So anyway, I hope you have a good week. What's coming up is I've got some things brewing, but I'm not quite sure if I'm taking next week off. And then I'm going to do like a bam, bam, bam. And then I also kind of want to sneak Rachel back on before she moves back to Texas. So that would be one last time before she goes out on the other side. But um, what I'm thinking is, is that we are going to start talking about drug use, opioid addiction, and the crisis that is happening in our country. So I do have some contacts that I need to reach out to, but um, that is kind of what's coming ahead. So anyway, have a great week. Take care of yourself and know that you are loved and all the things. Goodbye.